Hey, y'all, it's Becky Hayes. And you guys know already that I'm very passionate about what I put in my body, um, especially drinking water because the majority of our body is made up from water. The majority of these chemicals and toxins, which are pesticides, nitrates, arsenic, lead, hormones, aluminum, radioactive contaminants, and the list goes on. Not only are those in, in your tap water, but also fluoride. And I want to touch base on fluoride. It's not good to consume fluoride every day in your tap water. And let me tell you why fluoride is so bad for our health and what it does. And I'm going to touch base on the penal gland. The penile gland is the small little gland in your brain and it's located in the center of your brain. Fluoride can calcify the penile gland. And it's the reason why our penile gland is so important that is also our third eye. Now, the, the name third eye comes from the penile gland's primary function of letting in light and darkness, just as our two eyes do. This gland is the melatonin secreting neuroendocrine organ containing light-sensitive cells that control the circadian rhythm. Therefore, it helps produce melatonin, and then we sleep better. So the penile gland is super important. Not only is it our psychic abilities and being intuitive, but it also helps with our sleep patterns. And you all know how important sleep is to our body. Um, so the penile gland, we really need to protect it and keep it safe. So fluoride actually calcifies the penile gland. Trent, the owner of Enaviv, has so much knowledge and his team has so much knowledge to help you to cater to what you need in your home. And I'm fortunate enough to have the complete chemical removing system in my home. I can taste the difference. I can feel the difference because I'm not bathing in toxins and chemicals. And my kids aren't uh, ingesting these as well. And that really gives me a peace of mind. And get your, your water tested at least. They'll come out and do a free consultation. They'll test it. They don't pressure you into buying anything. They just want to give you knowledge. And if you mention my name, you will get half off a water filtration system. That's saving you over $700. So please give my friends at Enaviv a call at 801-993-0080. Again, that's 801-993-0080. Or you can reach them on their website at enaviv.com. That's E-N-E-V-I-V-E.com. They can service anywhere in the United States. You do not have to be local to Utah. But if you are local to Utah, head on down to their Pleasant Grove location. They can test your water there or they can come to you. Camino Free is the way to be. Welcome back to the Becca Hayes Show. I'm your host, Becca Hayes. And with me tonight on this wonderful full, full moon evening, which is, by the way, did you see the full moon on the way here? I didn't see. I what? noticed. The, I, I'll say this. I saw the mountains glowing, which is like the draw of Salt Lake City to me. Mm -hmm. And I knew the moon was glowing because the mountains were so lit up and the clouds were just phenomenal. So, yes. So, yeah, we have a full moon. It's the full moon in Leo. So, got that lion power tonight. Well, I'm a Leo. Oh my gosh, this is your moon. This I, is your time, girl. I am the day it changes from Cancer to Leo. Uh -huh. And whenever I talk to someone and I want them to remember my birthday, I'm like, I share a birthday and if I'm wrong, I'm going to feel stupid. But I, I've always been, when I looked it up, thought I shared a birthday with J-Lo and Harry Potter. Okay, Harry and Potter's I, cool. Yeah. And I, I think Elton John, maybe. Yeah, okay. But yeah. I was... I, wrong uh, those i don't 
I mean, I'm wrong a lot, so <laughs> that's not a that's not far fetched, but I don't think so. Right. If only we had a pocket computer, right? Gosh. <laughs> but tonight with me is Samantha Sway Branch. Did I get that right? You did. Uh, you I said tree branch earlier. The emphasis was on the right syllable. <laughs> what is that? I love it. Whatever it means. Like I can't take what credit. What is that? You've never heard that? No. What's say it again? The emphasis is on the wrong syllable. I the think, emphasis is on the wrong I think syllable. It's on, oh my gosh, I have a list. Is that like a, it's from a movie. I want to say Will Ferrell. Maybe it's Jim Carrey. Oh. It's, it's, I can't take credit. It's from some movie. I. What does it mean? Well, it's just like a play on like oh, the like irony of it, right? Okay. The irony of emphasis and syllable, right? Mm -hmm. And you're playing there. But I like it because it's me playing like dumb because when I do it, a lot of times, especially in a business environment, folks think that I'm like being sincere and you see that moment of terror and panic and confusion of, do I tell this person that that's not how you say it? And I, you know, it's just an opportunity to make people feel uncomfortable, which is sometimes entertaining. Well, you never make me feel uncomfortable. So <laughs> sorry, you missed that opportunity. Well, there's no opportunity because um, I make myself uncomfortable all the time. So I beat everybody to it. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit about your life, what you do and all that fun stuff. So people get to know you, but also um, I want to talk about your healing journey, which you are in it right now. Girl, in it. Let's <laughs> like you're knee deep caps in it. lock. Yeah. I am in it. Yeah. Which either I am meeting someone that just like barely started or ha hasn't got into it yet or at the end and they, you know, have all this profound stuff to say. Uh -huh. So I love that you're really in it deep right now. And I love that I met you uh, kind of at the beginning of your spiritual awakening, oh. would you say or no? You know... I would say it was the beginning because I had been so numb mm -hmm. for so long. I forgot I had a spirit, right? Like to have a spiritual awakening, you have to recognize the entity or essence that there is, right? The consciousness of it mm -hmm. and the things that I, you know, have gone through. And, you know, I think it's important when we talk about our pain, it's not about pain measurement. It's not pain comparison. It's you know, it's just being vulnerable so others feel comfortable to talk about it because I feel like it's taboo. It's, it's you know, it's not fair to, to go through things. And, and half of our day we act like nothing's happening and we have to put on that brave face, you know. So, yeah, or like, you know, shove it down under the rug. Oh, and, you know, you can, you pile on top of that depending upon what you do for a living, right? Mm -hmm. If you're cutting hair, right, mm. you can probably be a little bit more authentic, you know, with your creativity and so forth or what yeah. you're going through because that's a job where the rapport and the honesty and the connection, because when I get my hair done, talking and catching up with the person that does my hair. Yeah, it's like kind of a two-for-one, right? Your yep. hairstylist becomes your therapist as well, and yep. they cut your hair. Like, it's a win-win. Yeah, because <laughs> how awkward is it to just sit there in silence and stare at someone in a mirror, right, as you probably look the least attractive you possibly can at mm -hmm. any moment? Because mm -hmm. I don't know about you when I get my hair cut. And like, oh, I look like a drowned rat. Yeah, I was going to say homeless, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. like, you know you're going to get your hair cut, mm -hmm. and you're like, so I don't need to wash my hair. And like, I'm going to have this smock on and it's probably going to have to be later hours because I'm working. Nobody's going to see me. I literally roll up to like a high end hair salon. You don't brush your hair because you no. know they're going to do it for no. you. So it literally looks like a rat's nest. And, you know, they, they kind of look at you like, it, it, did someone just come off the streets to get their hair cut? Like how, I have, how they did. Yeah. I have two speeds. I have remarkably put together. I was not remarkably, surprisingly. Uh -huh. And is this person employed? <laughs> you know? Is this person getting kicked off by I-15 where all the 
the vans are. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm not there's shaming not. That. We're not. We're just doing a comparison for people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. But taking it back, I am mm-hmm. at the, we did meet at the beginning of my pain journey and my healing journey. And I say healing because that's a uh, an active verb, meaning mm-hmm. it's not done. And one of the things I've realized is, you know, it's not ever really done. No. It, I, you know, we can think we get past these things and we conquer them and we can fill ourselves with all of this ego, right? Mm-hmm. I, I conquered this. I got past this. But the reality is we don't live in a vacuum. We... Things happen around us that we're exposed to. And in the age of technology where, I mean, literally, I don't know if anybody else out there does this. I would say over the pandemic, I probably deleted every news app on my phone multiple times. Well, because that's all they showed is oh, deaths, COVID, get the vaccine. Like it's it, just constant. It was just constant. Yeah. And, you know, I remember one day I called my mom and, um, you know, I lost my mom. It's been a year, January uh, 21st. So just recently, a year ago. And uh, while she was not a treasure trove of wisdom at all times and made a lot of mistakes in life, um, which is part of my healing journey, she said something really profound to me when I called her because I was living in Atlanta at the time. Okay. And we're in Salt Lake. Like we hear about bad things happening, but in Atlanta during the pandemic, it was really bad. Wow. there were, um, you couldn't, if you live downtown where I lived, you couldn't bet you could get to Kroger or the, you know, convenience store without the street being blocked off because of protests. Mm, yeah. My house was robbed. My car was stolen and I was carjacked in six months in oh Atlanta. My, oh my gosh. So I, you know, I, it wasn't a great time. Right. And so I called my mom and I was just in a tizzy. She sensed it. And uh, she said, I said, Mom, what are we going to do? Fucking world is ending. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but I was like, you know, I I think bad stuff happens all the time. I've traveled to the Middle East. I've seen Palestine. Like, I know there's there's darkness in this world. Mm -hmm. But for it to feel like that here. In your neighborhood. In my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I got robbed, like, my house, like, it wasn't even about what they took. It was like, oh, my God, when I hear the ice maker click on. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine the PTSD from that. I I and the thing is you don't even realize it and you know you I every time I would go to wash the dishes, right? That was the window that they broke in through, right? Were you home when they broke in? No. Thank goodness. Oh my god. Ironically, gosh. I was here. We knew we were going to move to Salt Lake. Oh wow. And we were here looking for places to buy or rent. Interesting. And guess how I found out? How? I, talk about the universe. I swear to god I'm not making this up. We're in Salt Lake. Uh, my husband, current husband, <laughs> um, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, <laughs> he was a pretty staunch supporter of cameras in the house. Okay. We lived in kind of a gentrified area. Right. And so we had a ton of nest cameras everywhere. And also it's my kitty cam. You have a panda cam. It's how I would check on my cat yeah. and make sure my cat sitter came by when they said they were. Mm-hmm. Cause I was, you know. And we're on like day three here. We're staying at a, a, a hotel downtown. And I say, hey, let's go see Foo. I, I like, I, like, I miss Foo. That's my cat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to see Foo. Foo, pull up the app, the, you know, the Nest app. And when he pulled it up, it was like, what the hell is that? And I looked at it and he was like, what is this? And we had to like zoom in and like make it brighter. And we realized the camera was looking at the carpet. 
on the floor. Mm. And the camera was actually seated on the TV stand. And my cat is not nimble, okay? Like 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 mother, like son, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not I'm I'm clumsy. That cat has zero cat nimble genes. So he's not a jumper. He doesn't get on things. And I thought to myself immediately, right? And this is where a lot of people, I think, have this challenge. When something happens, if you've grown up in an environment where a lot of bad stuff happens, you immediately, that thing clicks and it's like, it's like the matrix. It's like time slows down and you start like, you know, beautiful minding, uh, solving the crime, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, And I go, holy fuck. And he goes, what? I go, we got fucking robbed. And he's like, what are you talking about? That's insane. I'm like, Andrew, why would the video, why would, how would that have fallen? The windows are closed. There's no wind, right? He's like, oh, well, you know, foo. He jumped. He must have jumped on it. I said, Andrew. Men never know the fucking animals. I I swear. They don't. Where have you been? This cat has been around you the same amount of time I've been around you. Can you just take note? No, we'll get into that. Yeah, exactly. Observation is not his... It is a strength, but it's also a weakness. So I was like, Andrew, we got robbed. The only logical explanation I can think of, of why that camera's on the ground, is that window behind there, it got knocked over. How would it have gotten knocked over? Mm -hmm. And we caught a red eye back to Atlanta, and I was right. Mm. We walked in. It was the trippiest thing. The TV was gone, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, we had a queen jar do you, did you ever have a coin jar growing What's up? What's a queen jar? Coin jar. Like Oh, coin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With okay. coins in it? Well, let me tell you. I grew up in the South. Rednecks love their fucking coin jars, okay? <laughs> it's a rite of passage. So everyone in the South has coin jars. Uh-huh. And I the, the robber actually dumped out the coin jar, only took the silver, and then proceeded to put the pennies back in the jug for me. Okay? Are you ready? What? Went through... Our 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 um uh dresser drawers looking for things right didn't throw them put stuff back and we knew stuff was missing okay literally stole my husband's bike broke but and broke off this like tracking app digital thing he has on mm-hmm. it um because they knew it had a device a tracking device in it and like set it in the ki- like walked back upstairs set it in the kitchen like it this was is somebody that knew knew you. It was the most considerate robbery. And I know because the window that they came in through, because they dusted the place and everything, Mm -hmm. the window they came in through, no adult could have fit through. Okay? It had to have been a child. And the the next day, I go to take the trash out, and there's a woman pushing a um, baby stroller Mm -hmm. with no baby in it and a notebook. And we found out later, she was literally strollering around the neighborhood tracking when people were home so they would know which um damn but i caught her yo you did catch her oh oh i did so wasn't it so was this somebody that lived in your neighborhood or that just came in your neighborhood and was trolling around Came in the neighborhood oh god it was really nice though how they robbed you it was and that's also where it got freaky because it was like what mindset does this person have to have that they're that conscious? They stole certain electrical items like Apple TV and stuff, but not other things. High, like they kept the high value things. I thought you were going to say vibrator. I was like, <laughs> shit, man, they are brutal. You could buy, buy Sue some. her. At that time, you could buy Bitcoin 
with the amount of vibrators I had. That's how much I invested in that game. Uh, I'd been single for many years prior. Understood. Um, <laughs> but literally, they took the electronics and put the, the the strings, the cords back, and then wrapped the like bungee tape around it back because my husband is like super OCD. Mm-hmm. So any cord has to have like a zip tie. That's and it insane. Has, it was so trippy. So and, you know it was a woman, obviously. Like that would be... I would think if that mm-hmm. happened to me and I saw these signs, like, first of all, it's, I would feel like it's somebody that knows me. They're like, they feel bad for robbing me, but they're under like some certain circumstances. Uh-huh. So they have to rob me. Uh, and it's a woman. Uh, so it is freaky that you just said that because I had the same thought process. I thought who would rob a house with a child? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as an attack on women, but who is going to in that socioeconomic status where, you know, you're robbing people. like, well, And I, you're showing this to your child. Yes. Like you're the example. You're the example. Yeah. And, you know, it was so considerate. And honestly, we did have a housekeeper at the time. And I really battled internally because my mother was a maid growing up. Mm-hmm. And I always saw the people that she cleaned for treat her like she was a lesser, right? Mm. And and it wasn't a human. And so anytime I've had people help me in my home, whether it's my housekeeper, a construction worker, anybody, I always try to get them water. I always try to call them by their name. I know it sounds silly, but it's things like, so I cared about my housekeeper. Mm-hmm. But you were right. The police officer said, Definitely somebody knew your place, the amount of, they knew where you were because the amount of time they spent here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and come to find out, I, okay, so Atlanta PD did not give, we, they gave less than zero fucks. If there is negative fucks to give at the time when there's, you know, riots going yeah, on, yeah. And all, they didn't care that we got our carbon fiber bike stolen, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, file your fucking insurance, shut the fuck up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Which, whatever, I get it. It's a, it's a first world problem to have. But, it wasn't about the value. It was about I felt like violated. Oh, yeah. And so I may have employed the skill set that I had developed over many years of online dating, which is I'm a pretty good online uh, researcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I basically figured out what apps do thieves in the area typically use to sell things what apps have rules and parameters and or are anonymous right it's almost like um snapchat when kids are sending dick pics to each other right Uh and literally i i looked up the apps i downloaded them and i knew the one of the items they stole was such a specific item oh my damn you're like detective over here i know right detective samantha I, i i i blame it on my mother being obsessed with uh Let's see, Matlock, uh, Perry Mason, all that stuff oh my growing gosh. up. You get along perfect with my best friend. She has a membership to Backgrounds RS or whatever the <laughs> fuck it's called. If I ever need to do a background check on anybody, I just give her the name. Oh, that's you, awesome. Yeah, you'll have to introduce you to Blair. I that see, And she's from the South. Too much power is given. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to be careful because I could like go down a rabbit hole with that. Yeah. Be like, meh. I wonder if my college boyfriend became a complete loser oh, we, like I thought. No, we do that on the nights oh. we hang out. <laughs> And then so welcome to my world. It's like, do you search for your <laughs> yes, you do for your like boss that you hate? Yeah, and you're like, let's get some dirt. When it's girls' night, you do that. <laughs> that made me feel bad over here. Samantha. No, no, you. I absolutely. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. So I basically figured out that OfferUp was the app of choice, if you will, mm-hmm. of of the local community of thieves. 
And I searched for the type of bike in the material that it was. And no joke, one thing you learn in watching a lot of First 48 on ABC or whatever it's on, Lifetime, is that people, when they steal, it's not CSI, okay? They don't, there aren't a lot of smart people in the world in general. Yeah. And then you take an even smaller subset of people, there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of smart criminals. There Mm -hmm. just aren't. Mm -hmm. And they named the bike, the brand, which is literally a $10,000 road bike, like like a cycle bike, which is ridiculous. I know. Did they know it was that much? I mean, when you go- How much do they have it listed for? They, oh, that's another thing. They had it listed for like 600 bucks. Oh, fucking idiots. So I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, but it's clear. But then my like empathy kicks in and I'm like, God, if these people are just trying to move it that quickly, you know? No, like, they how just much don't do they, fucking know. They're stupid. How much, how much do they need the money? Maybe it's paying a light bill. So I started like empathizing <laughs> oh with my, my gosh. with my, you know, violator. And I, I find this lady and it's like, literally, I'm not kidding you. The picture on her profile is the upshot selfie, okay, in a prison. What? It was a picture she had taken in prison. She was out. I come to find out. That was her picture. Oh, bless. And I was like, okay. So I researched, like I look, it was a nickname. I figured out where she worked. She worked at the DeVita Dialysis, like a quarter mile down the road. I was able to trace in many ways back to my housekeeper. And I call the police. I'm like, yo, I did your job for you. Here, this lady wants to fucking meet at Kmart. Like, here, I want my bike back. Well, you understand it might be, you know, um, damage. And I'm like, it's not about that. It's the I, principle. I, what, it's, the, what, what the what cops are these? Like, I'm telling you, they gave. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, I, zero fucks. Zero fucks. And then you start to empathize with them. Like, you know, they got bigger fish to fry. I get it. But I just, I was like. I don't know if it was me trying to take my power back because I felt victimized. Oh, I hope so. Like there is a sense there as well. Yeah. And so I like told him about it. It took, are you ready? Mm-hmm. For three weeks, I was calling and emailing. Couldn't get anyone to call back. Yeah, we'll look into it. I mean, it was such an abject failure in in policing. Um, it really made me sad because I know so many police officers myself mm-hmm. that aren't like that and they care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, there's bad apples everywhere. There's bad apples everywhere. And so I basically ended up having to figure out who was my local representative, call them. And then I ended up ca- figuring out how to get a hold of the mayor because they mm-hmm. were going to be at a luncheon. And I was just like, I know it sounds crazy. God, I sound crazy now. But I was like, really? It was pandemic. Everybody was sheltered in. People were making uh-huh. fucking sourdough. I was solving, solving crimes. You, you, know? you had a cat, Kim. They already thought you were crazy <laughs> from the very beginning. This just adds to the story. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> legitimately. And then when I tell the police officer, you know, they, they moved my change. They put my change back. That's insane. Who does that? You're like, ma'am, we don't need all this information. The guy, we're not even going to do your our job. No, there was there was zero um, hell given. But Wait, so you said you traced this back to your housekeeper. So how was she associated with the robber? It was her girlfriend's sister. Damn. We were right. We were right. Somebody that you know. Yep. And a woman. And very considerate and kind. And the irony is, Hazel, like, I really, I really cared about her. Like, every time she was there, I always talked with her. Knew her better grandkids. She said, you know, we're taking them to Six Flags. Like, I'd I'd give her extra so that she could get them snacks because I knew just getting the ticket was a big thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, like, 
to think that they would, you know what I mean? I know it's hurtful. It it was, it was hurtful to say the least. Now, did she, okay, here's the question. I'm wondering if you figured this out. Cause I, I mean, I know if I was a maid too, I would do this. Like, you know, I know my people are out of town. Like Mm -hmm. I can bring, you know, my, my, either my kids over why I clean or a friend, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're hanging out like they're hanging out with me while I clean the house. Was it something like that where she brought them over or did she, was she kind of in on it and be like, Hey, they're out of town. If you want to go loot the place, go ahead. Yeah. I, so I never confronted her. What? I know. Girl. It was, I never just fired her. No, I moved. Remember, I was looking to move to Salt Lake and it was literally like a couple weeks before we were were like packing up. Like, Mm -hmm. so it was one of those things where I was like, okay, if I confront her, right. And she didn't know, like you said, somebody was over, they cased the joint. Mm -hmm. She had no knowledge. I didn't want to cause friction between her and her wife. I, I know that sounds crazy. I know, but I just... I didn't confront her. It felt like the emotional strain that that would that conversation would provide would not serve me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't keep in touch with her anymore. Anyways, I knew I was leaving, um, and so I just I never confronted her. But um, yeah, that's 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 how I. That's interesting. How did how did we start that? I don't know. That that, that was a good story though. That's a true story. That was yeah. the time we got. I got. Uh, I got uh, robbed. My house got robbed. But then, of course, my car got stolen. And the carjacking was while I was pumping gas. Damn. Yeah. So was well, ready to leave Atlanta. <laughs> I can't remember how we went down this this hole. But it was a good story. And I was, like, really intrigued on the edge of my seat. Um, so thank you for sharing that. But yeah. let's let's go back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about you first. Yeah. And then we'll get into um, when you and I first met and where you were at in your life. Okay. And your transition in the phases and then now where you're at. So I kind of want to go through that if you don't mind. Okay. Um, so yeah. So, you know, who are you? What do you do as much as you can give? Samantha Sway Branch. I am 30. You know, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day and I was like, fuck, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I don't either. That happens to me all the time. That's when you know you're getting older. I know. I'm like, damn it. I'm going to start writing it on my hand. Maybe I should get a tattoo of my age. I literally. that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Never mind. Scratch that. (laughs) It changes every year. You could just say it's your lucky number. I'm just going to have markings like I'm in fucking prison. (laughs) I'm 36. Okay. Leo, July 23rd, Mm -hmm. birthday. Um, I'm from Georgia. I lived in Atlanta when I shared that story, but I'm actually from a tiny, tiny town of 608 people. In That's North- why I love you. You got the Southern like blood in you. <laughs> I didn't know you were from the South yeah. until tonight. So uh, I love this. I love Southern people. I'm city. I'm South city mouse and country mouse. It's, it's kind of a weird like uh, dynamic. So I was born in the city. My mm-hmm. parents were together. I was raised in the suburbs until my mom got divorced and remarried and decided that city life was too fast. And I've, you know, we've got to live more simply. As an adult, I realize her relationship fell apart and she was broke and it's cheaper to live in nowhere, Northwest Georgia than it is the city. Mm. Um, So, yeah. So I ended up moving from, you know, rich white suburbs of Atlanta to um, small, small town, 608 people, one stoplight, um, Buck Cannon, Georgia. Mm. Which it's not Buck Cannon, it's Buchanan, like <laughs> the historical, you know, reference. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the people there um, call it Buck Cannon because mm, nice. in the South we don't, you know, Cairo, Georgia is Cairo, Georgia. Uh-huh. Um, we say a lot of words a little differently. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm from 
from Georgia and I make a living um, selling technology. So uh, just a fancy way of saying that I am not tech savvy and it is my job to understand it enough to explain it to someone else who has a checkbook that is not tech savvy because that's the way that works. Fair enough. Yeah. So that's what I do. Um, but it's uh, I wouldn't say it's my passion per se. Um, but it, I uh, see writer like, and I know that you've talked about wanting to write a book, start yep. a book. So I hope that you continue down that road. Yes. I'm yeah. I, a lot of words and you need to put them to paper. <laughs> I do. And I, I have started writing a book. Matter of fact, I just booked two weeks in Ecuador Fuck um, yeah! so that, and I intentionally picked a like place in the mountains that I'm going to have nothing to do, but experience nature and write. I better be in that book. <laughs> you will be. I'm going to be pissed. Oh, are you I'm kidding not. me? Are you kidding me? You're like, did you ever watch Never Ending Story with the of little course I dragon? Did. I had a fear of the wolf <laughs> for so long. You're like the little dragon in a good oh, way. Like <laughs> you've, you've helped me on my journey, like legit. <laughs> like, you know, you've been a huge guide and I, I sincerely believe the universe connected us because Oh, of hell it. yeah. I, cause I, I have, I moved here in a pandemic. I don't know anyone, right? Imagine moving to a new city where mm -hmm. you are not a part of the LDS community, right? Mm -hmm. Which no, no hate, no. Yeah, I'm not either anymore. Yeah. But I get it though. I understand it because I, I did live that life for so long. Mm -hmm. And you're 36, 35 at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Unmarried, no kids, right? Mm -hmm. In the middle of a pandemic in the city where there's no one out walking and, you know. That's so rough. Girl. I haven't, yeah. Because you wouldn't be able to get out to meet people because all the events are canceled and closed. Yep. And, and social distancing you can't even hug random strangers like sad <laughs> yeah like, I, you know <laughs> i underestimated how hard it would be to meet people and um so instead i just turned to like traveling to national parks and stuff but i thought you're gonna say drugs and alcohol it's <laughs> like i get it <laughs> <laughs> Let me say, let's just say that i i visit the salt flats a lot i love the salt flats. yeah but that's my code oh okay kind of like <laughs> did you ever watch lover boy that movie no. in the 80s no sounds a little love you never saw lover boy uh -uh. oh my god homework assignment okay yeah i'm writing it down yeah lover boy i want to say it's patrick dempsey but i don't know if he's the little teen character uh -huh. it's a super fucked up storyline when you think of it as an adult but as a kid it was very entertaining okay. he's like a gigolo who <laughs> If the local like Sounds housewives enticing. order extra anchovies on uh -huh. a pizza, because who the fuck answer orders extra anchovies? It means they want to have sex. That's like the Damn. code. That's the tap of the toe under the, the mm -hmm. bathroom stall. And um, yeah, it it yeah, it was. You got to watch it. Movie. Okay, I'll have to watch it's it. Classic. It's yeah, classic. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. So yeah, I'm no, it's, it's classic. So you, okay, another thing that we shared in common. You said you used to be in radio. I did. I was. Uh, that was my, what I refer to as probably my mid twenties crisis. You know how you have midlife crisis? <laughs> Mine was like a crisis too. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called when it happens every two years? Um, I think no. that's just part of your life. <laughs> I don't think it's a crisis anymore. It's just like, Hey, you just need a fucking reset. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was working in sales, so I'm still in sales, but I was literally Becca, it was the worst fucking job. I was selling HVAC equipment. Okay. Okay. In Florida, which you would think you're selling air conditioning in Florida is like, you know, there's a lot of folks that need it. Yeah. But I literally was having to deal with like the worst, like just 
most it was the worst Florida time. folks yeah I yeah get it. like Florida man right like <laughs> there's there's a vibe there there's a stereotype for a reason I live there and I say that with peace and love as a southerner okay well, we we used to have this segment on the radio called the white trash news flash and all our stories came from Florida oh it's it's the biggest <laughs> secret in the south which is like there's always this competition of like which state is the trashiest right uh -huh. and there's kind of a general consensus like George is not just because we have like enough people and culture and everything, but Florida is often left off the um, list. Why? Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe Miami swings too the close pendulum to home, too close to home. I, you know, I think it's also because <laughs> Southerners don't think Florida's the South. They do oh, not. Interesting. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, like they. It's it's almost like if you've ever been to Alaska or Hawaii, like mm -hmm. in Alaska, they call it the lower 48. Like mm. they are part of America, but they very much identify as like Alaskans. Texans can kind of be like that. Same with the Hawaiians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, Florida is kind of like that. Mm. So interesting. It's definitely the what was your original question? The radio. The radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm living in Florida <laughs> and I'm hate I'm selling air conditioning, hating my life. And I'm like, you know, I went to college and I studied my ass off so I could get a degree. And I got a degree in advertising marketing, mm -hmm. okay? And I had these big dreams. I was going to go into, like, um, you know, doing ads for Nike and all that. That's not the real world, right? There's, like, 1%. It's like the NBA, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 1% of people get to do that. Instead, what you usually get to do is, you know, work at, especially in, in Florida, at radio stations that really, like, I mean, it was... The sales part of it sucked, but I commandeered away to convince my boss to give me the, sh the slot on Saturday that had opened. I said, let's do a business show, okay? I know I got to create some kind of like monetary value, right? Let's do a business show because they already had enough talk show. Mm -hmm. I said, it's a business talk show and we invite the business owners who want to promote their business to share and talk about themselves, right? and mm -hmm. promote their brand for free but it opens up opportunities for sales right mm -hmm. yeah like, let me talk to you about hey you know how we can continue to promote your band brand and everything and uh yeah Look i at you you brilliant mind oh my gosh that's brilliant it really was fun and it was um it was really a matter of fact they kept trying to do it after i left and uh, I listened to a few of them and it was absolutely terrible. It was the driest, like least engaging com content. But that's what happened when I left too. So it, I get it. it. It was, and what was funny is the guy, you know, in the booth was like, you know, how many years you've been doing this? And I'm like, I, I haven't. And he's like, you know, you, you conversate, you know, and the, the people they replaced with, oh my God. It Idiots. Was, Welcome to the marketing advisors. I mean, it was. Oh my god! You could have played that to my like sleep noise to sleep at night. It was so bad, and it, I, I'm sure it doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, it was. It was a Fox News syndicate. Out of it was like their number one market in Jacksonville, which a lot of folks don't know that it's like the number one uh, market for Fox. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I, I hosted a, a marketing business um, show that I talked about business about three percent of the time. And um, got the the business owners just really kind of creating and humanizing their brand, and it was a lot of fun. I love that. I love that you created that. Like that's what we're supposed to do in this world is create things, yeah. you know. And I love that you stepped up and saw that and and took action. That's cool. Okay, so now we're gonna get into the nitty gritty stuff. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. So what? Let's just start from the very beginning of when you and I met. Yep. 
you, I, I think you reached out to me. Was it because of Instagram? It was. Okay. It yeah. was, it was Instagram. I've learned with all my travels that if you go to Google to direct you to something, you are not getting necessarily what you're looking for. You're getting what they want you to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you understand, I mean, there's so many studies done around the way that Google has affected our perception and interpretation of the world, just because that's our point of contact, you know, and then what it serves you is where you go. Right. So I, I've found that in Instagram, if you can like search hashtags and you can find kind of communities, right. That speak to you mm -hmm. and you feel like, Oh, I would be friends with these people in real life. I, I would join these communities, but I would also, when I would travel, I would find these hashtags and figure out, okay, I'm going to Patagonia. Where's the shit they put in the Rand McNally guide because it's paid advertising? And where's the stuff that's like gold, right? The stuff that people don't do because they don't know because they're too afraid to talk to people. This is brilliant. I'm like eating this shit right up. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I basically came across uh, through a tag, a right? Hashtag. Yeah, a hashtag. Finally, they paid off. Fuck. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> there is a science behind it. And I was like, okay. And I had decided, you know what, everything that was going on in my life, I mean, I shared with you the three carjackings. In the last year, my mom died. I had three friends commit suicide. Um, I'm now going through the midst of a divorce. Um, my sister, brother-in-law, and niece um, disappeared after my mom died and said they don't want contact with our Like, I have lost everybody in my life by my family. And... It's just been really hard. Shattering. It's like your whole life shattered within the year. Oh, it's, it's a, uh, or the two years. Yeah. The only thing, and then you overlay it's during the fucking pandemic. Yeah, right. So you add all that stress. And yeah. Like I couldn't go and see my mom. We couldn't have more than, I think it was two people in the room at a time. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. So we would have to take shifts going in and out. And it's like, if I am off shift, could she pass during that time? You know, it wasn't good. So, and your mom, you were close with your mom. Wasn't she like your best friend? Yeah. You guys so, had a really good relationship, right? Yeah. We, so my mom was a single mom of four kids. Um, she was the strongest, most perseverant woman. And candidly, if anyone listening, uh, if you've lost a parent, you can't truly appreciate them until they're gone. That's just a fact of life. It's a, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say bitter because that's a negative word, but it's, it's a painful fact of life. Well, it goes along with that saying, like, you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. A hundred percent. And, you know, I am thankful that I, when, when she did pass, we were in a good place, but, um, yeah, I was, we were, she was my everything. She was my alpha and my omega. I mean, mm -hmm. any time in my life when, you know, my dad wasn't around, he bounced when I was a kid, um, you know, things weren't easy. Uh, she held three or four jobs at any given time. She would wake up and then my brother died when I was a kid. So that made it tougher. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, she was the toughest, most hardworking woman ever. So yes, that, that happened. Uh, a bunch of different stuff happened and, uh, it definitely, definitely caused me to really intentionally search for something I hadn't done before. I mean, I was doing everything. So would you describe yourself as you're at your wit's end? Like you're at the end Rock of the bottom. rope? Rock bottom. I nowhere else to go. Rock bottom. Okay. I And keep in mind, my rock bottom is, um, I think everyone has different tolerance levels. But when you grow up in, in childhood trauma, the way that I did, the way that I've come to know, understand that I did, 
um, your low, your rock bottom is much, much more profound in the sense that not just, I just lost my job today. Yeah, exactly. My dog died. Like I, I'm not saying that's not painful, but in everybody's levels are different. Everybody's levels are different, but I was at my rock bottom and it, I had been depressed before. I'll be candid. I talk openly about it. Um, but I had always been able to bounce back. I'd always been able to have that, like, you know, basketball, like, you know, bounce back eventually. Usually, you know, a couple weeks, couple months, then I'd be fine, right? But this happened in January. And I don't know if it's because, like, things kept happening that were terrible in the family. And, like, a bunch of family secrets came out, found out about a bunch of, like, family abuse, like, just really messed up things. And it was a a sense of, I describe it as, in the book I'm writing, um, uh, through the fire on uh, bookshelf soon. Uh, oh, the fi- oh my gosh, that's such a good title. Yeah, through the fire. It's a quote. It's a poem. It's a it's a reference to a poem. I feel like I feel like it needs to be a tattoo. I I, I think so. It's Bukowski. Charles Bukowski is okay. one of my favorite poets. Uh-huh. Um, and he his quote is, and this really keeps me going on the days where I'm like, uh, what am I doing? What matters ma- What matters most is how well you walk through the fire. And I felt like, you know, I've been going through the fire throughout my life in different phases. But when we met, I was at a place where everything that I had turned to in the past and developed as coping was not working. It was like having a giant key ring, like a janitor key ring and trying all these keys that have always opened this door and it just wouldn't work. And it was just, I, I don't want to, I, I will say I was hopeless. Um, I was going to ask you, I'm like, did you have any hope left no. in your body? No, I, to this day, I have a notebook that I wrote about eight suicide letters in, and they weren't separate in the sense of eight times. They were letters to the people in my life that I needed to express why I was doing what I was doing because I recognize that me deciding to do what I was going to do would have a profound impact on just a small handful of people. Mm-hmm. And I needed them to know it wasn't about, they couldn't have done anything, right? Like, it was all you. It was all me. It's it's nothing that uh, taking me out for coffee and cheering me up could, it was so me and it was me trying to just, it, it felt like I thought that was the way I was going to take my power. That the world had whipped me around on a bunking, bucking bronco so long. that I was like, you know what? It was almost, I don't want to say an act of defiance because I, I am a spiritual person and I, I grappled with the idea of suicide and, you know, you know, heaven and hell and all that. But I just felt like this is the only thing I feel like I have control over is deciding to keep going. And I'm, you know what? I'm good. I'm bouncing. I'm checking out. And I got so calm about it. It scared me. And my husband at the time uh, found the letters, mm. didn't know. Um, and that started the downslide or mudslide of our marriage that is now ending. And that's where I was when we met. And I, I contacted you for Reiki because I had done Reiki in India. And it had really helped me um, just connect to the inner warmth that I felt like I couldn't touch. And, you know, we just got to talking and I don't know if you felt my energy, but. Oh, of course I did. I Yeah. I, I mean, I was just like, I, we started talking and you started, you know, educating me and I had looked into it and I was like, you know what? We did Hobby. Don't forget that we did uh, Hobby. We did Hobby. And I just said, <laughs> fuck it. You know what? 
Mm-hmm. It, I'm going to take this, you know, Amazon box package that society serves us as what is appropriate, what is right, right? That I had been carrying around on my shoulders for so many years. I was in the midst of shedding the weight that also came with my mother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, single mom. Uh, we we loved each other very deeply, but we had a very toxic relationship. And I was like, I've been caring. You know, I, I financially supported her. We It was a very odd. I was like, I have had to shed so much weight. Like, why don't I start shedding the weight that I'm choosing to keep, mm-hmm. right? And what I thought was, if I am at the level where I am calmly writing suicide letters, right? And I am trying to think what's the most convenient way for someone to clean this up, right? Those are some pretty powerful ideations. And I never felt like that in my life. I mean, my brother died. Yes, it was depressed, but I had never gotten to that point. The definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know what? For 36 fucking years, I've tried the same fucking thing that I've been told I should do. And I did the right things. I went to college. I got the degrees. I got the high-powered job. I did the right things. I treated people around me right, right? And I still wasn't feeling whole. Mm -hmm. And here I was in the face of losing everything that had ever defined me, my family, right? And I said, I am free to write the next half of my life. And I can either choose two roads diverged in a wood, right? Mm -hmm. To sound cliche. On one side, I've got that notebook where I can choose, you know what? I'm bouncing. This is my decision. I'm taking control of my life as I saw it. I now realize that was not clear thinking. It was not healthy. I was not in a space where I could even acknowledge that. Or I opened my mind to things that I would have judged. The old me would have had snarky comments about. And so I tried it. And I'm not going to be shy. Um, I, I've i never been, uh, you know. And when you say snarky things, you mean like energy healing, Reiki, and things like yeah, that. that. Okay. Like the woo-woo. Yeah, the woo-woo. people would known it as. The okay. woo-woo, but also I, I would be snarky about it in the sense like, you know, my mom, again, a lot of my opinions were informed by my mother. And my all, mo- all of us yes. is by our parents. And yeah. she was extremely, despite living a very non-traditional lifestyle, she was actually deeply conservative. And she, you know, that's, that you don't do that. You don't, you know, that sounds silly. That sounds weird. What are you talking about? And those are the things I told myself. And then I said, you know what? I'm shedding that. I'm going to try it. Right. I'm going to be open. And are you so glad that you did? I literally, (laughs) if I could figure out a way to somehow project or insert how this has changed me into the people that I bump into and you bump into and the people listening bumped into every day where you could feel that negative energy. When you ask them how they are, I'm good. And it's like, no, you're not. I can hear it, right? If I could share with them how just to like be open to the idea of something different, I it would make me feel like, I don't want to say life purpose, that sounds cliche, but like once you- It would help fulfill a part of your- 
existence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people teach, right? Teachers that are passionate because mm-hmm. they want to educate, right? Doctors, they want to heal. They want to save. I feel like this medicine is a calling in the sense of, you know, what makes the difference between a good doctor and a, bad, and a, a great doctor, right? I would argue, having interfaced with doctors and medical systems, that the bedside manner, which is just a way of saying, does the patient feel like this person cares? Does the patient feel like they're concerned about... Is there love in this room? Is, yes. Because it kind of comes down to that. People that care about the patients, their patients, mm-hmm. they have that love and compassion for them instead yep. of just seeing them as a, a client. Yep. As a copay. And, yeah. you know, so many doctors, and unfortunately, I think there are people in the the, medicine, the, the alternative medicine community that they they don't understand the gift that it is. And so I've been... Everyone I talk to, I talk to about it and I say it self-deprecatingly. Oh, you know, uh, you know, have you ever heard of Hoppe? Or I'll say, uh, I love it. I, I'll say, um, you ever heard of Combo? And they're like, number four, like McDonald's, what are you talking about? And <laughs> no, the frog poison, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. I've actually, yeah. Had, I've kind of softened it because when I started referring to it as po- frog poison, uh-huh. like the looks on people's faces, Amazon medicine, exactly equation. the frog Amazon medicine. And I'm like, okay, let me explain this to you. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds a little bit out there, right? Mm-hmm. But let me say this. What's more out there. Okay. Let's think about this. There's someone in a lab coat taking chemicals Okay, which I am not shaming people who take medicine because I am one of them. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I take Excedrin yeah. occasionally. Yeah, but in my twenties, when I would go in and out of, of tough times, right, mm-hmm. I would uh, go on anxiety medicine. I would go off of it. I would go on antidepressant medicine. Go off of it. So when I arrived to you at my bottom, it wasn't like this was a new thing for me. I I was pretty experienced in picking myself up off of these these challenges I've had. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think it's, it's crazy, silly, weird at all to think, hey, would I rather try something that literally is from nature, right? We're taught the food pyramid. What do you eat? Grapes, fruits, natu- things that grow in the Greens, ground. Greens, yeah. There's a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Do I do that or do I believe that a beaker full of chemicals, man-made chemicals, right, that are, and I worked in a pharmacy once, pressed in that are pressed into these tiny little pills, right? And shelled out because I, when I worked in this pharmacy, I saw the dirty, dark side of pharma, pharma America. I mean, I, I already know that pharma's dirty, so I can't imagine like being behind the scenes. It was seeing the way, because you'd get people coming in for that were trying to get off heroin. Right. And mm-hmm. they'd get their, their medicine. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but you is know, it starts with an M. I think it's the methadone. Is it methadone, methadone and like Narcan stuff mm-hmm. like yeah. highly controlled. Right. Yeah. And you would also see doctors that literally I'll never forget one day we had a long line in the to go the, the drive through and he comes up. This guy starts banging on the window and I'm like in college, like what the hell's going on? Right. And he's like, hurry it up. I got somewhere to be. And he throws the prescription on the window. It's for Viagra. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what Viagra is, Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Get it up. I think I, I found out he hands it to me. I looked at it in his ID. He prescribed it to himself. Ugh. And I brought it to my pharmacist. And he knew the guy. They golfed together. And he filled it. Ugh. And I'm like, I saw the way that the reps and I just... I know the business side of it, and that's kind of like 
a blessing and a curse when you mm-hmm. can see behind the curtain a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, ignorance is bliss. Uh, Forrest Gump was happy as hell for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, I, I've often said, God, sometimes I wish I just was dumber. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and not awake. Like when you go through that spiritual awakening, I mean, yours is, I feel like so life changing in a sense where like you experience the physio like physical relief of pain. You yep. experience the mental aspect in the soul and on a soul level as well. Um, that love right, like almost right away. Absolutely. A lot of people that go through spiritual awakenings don't usually get to experience that, um, that other side, yep. that light until they go through a lot of dark. And I'm not saying that you didn't go through a lot of dark. You did. So I think it was your time. Yeah. But when you first dive into plant medicine, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm learning a little bit. I'm doing this. And then, I mean, there were so many side effects in a good way that it was like, holy shit, blown you away. Oh, it's almost like if you've ever had a pain in your body so long that you don't, you lose consciousness of it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you just it, live with it. You just live with it. Yeah. And I remember. Wait, we, we're going to get into that. In a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going, we're doing a, um, we're going down like the journey the of, journey, of journey. when you met, but, um, going back to, you got Reiki done by me. Yep. So how did you feel after that Reiki session? So we We're did gonna Reiki break this down. In, in the hoppe, right? Mm-hmm. And I literally, I remember driving home and pulling over because I'm writing a book. And when these things come to me, I, I make little notes and I just wrote, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Where, what the fuck just <laughs> happened? And I remember driving home and it's about a 30 minute drive and just being like, at first, just like processing it still. Right. And then it was this, just this, I I can't even begin to describe all other than like, maybe like an anchor. I I had used this metaphor a lot that I felt like I'd lost my anchor in life. Like literally my physical being felt like it was being whipped around like a paper bag in the wind. I felt like, you know, I, I, the, just something bobbing in the ocean at night. I just, I was all over the place. And after I tried the hoppe, literally, I just felt like there was this balanced, like light, but heavy anchor, just literally in my core, like sitting me. And I, I felt was grounded. Like, oh my God. I went home and I was like, kind of walking around like, and I wasn't like high. I mean, it's not like that, right? No. I was just so clear. It felt like the only thing I can compare it to is like you've been at sea for a long time and then you get on land and things st- and you're like, whoa. And it was a it took me several days to mentally and emotionally process how good I felt because I had conditioned my body. I mean, I remember when I would bend over to do the dishes because my back was hurting mm-hmm. and. I would like grab the counter like in this like the, the the cabinet had gotten loose from it. Like literally it changed my ability to I've noticed, um, you know, do I still get sad? Sure. Do mm-hmm. if something sad happens, you should get sad. Right. That's mm-hmm. awareness. My problem was it wasn't passing through me. It was yeah. getting blocked. Yeah. And it, so much had happened. It just was weighing me down. And I literally f- felt myself like having these, you know, tear up moments you know when I have the anniversary of my mom passing and things but then like being like refreshed as crying should it's supposed to be cathartic right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was starting to feel so good and sleep I have I probably 
haven't, I probably average two to three nights of good sleep a month where I wake up and I'm not dragging myself out of bed Mm -hmm. for the last year during this depression. And I was just like, I woke up two hours before I normally do. Not because I hadn't like I had, it was literally because I woke up because I was rested. Mm -hmm. My body literally woke me up instead of me hearing that alarm and just getting that sick feeling in my stomach. Like, fuck, I got to get 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, you know? Okay. You start doing the calculation in your head. All right. If I don't do my eye make, if I don't do a winged (laughs) eyeliner today, that's like eight minutes. Right. (laughs) And that's how I was living my life. Yeah. Yeah. And this got me to the point where I was just like, Oh my God. I started doing the things I, I started camping again. I started hiking again because I didn't have that physical pain, but I mm-hmm. also, I had the energy to want to. Well, we're going to get into that because I feel like your life dramatically changed a little bit more when you did combo. So yes. that was the combo. So I was asking like how, what your experience was after Reiki and Hop and Hoppe. You had the grounding experience. Yep. You didn't get the pain relief yet, did you? I or? got a little, it wasn't quite as profound for sure. Okay. For me, the way I saw the Hoppe, if I look back on like what it gave me, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, the grounding. Yes, the just, when I say this, I mean this good lightning bolt to my soul is Mm -hmm. what it felt like. Mm -hmm. But it also gave me courage because I don't know if I hadn't tried Hoppe first, if I could have been as open to the idea of combo. I feel like... Yeah, that's a good way to think that. Yeah, Yeah. I felt like it was, for me, it was a more approachable first experience. Um, And it opened me and my energy and got me so excited about the possibility of what these things could do that I was just like, you remember, I was like, all right, let's do, let's do, like, Mm -hmm. I was excited because I was like, oh my God, I feel alive again. I'm not dead. Like literally these are the moments where I decided I don't want to kill myself. You had, I feel like in that moment too, it's like, I have purpose. Yes. I have purpose again to want to live. Yes. Yeah. I, I was, I started thinking of life, you know, and you should never think too far in the future because I think that can cripple us. Mm-hmm, of course. But I do think that when you stop in imagining yourself in your life a week or a month or six months later, because you haven't really bought into the idea you want to stick around that long, that's not good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's where I was. And I started, you know, I, I planned this Ecuador vacation. That, that that was travel is something that I have learned and I know I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to because, you know, not everybody has those options. Mm-hmm. And I try to take advantage of it. And I planned that vacation because I knew that's something I'd look forward to and I'd grow from. And that's before a bunch of other crazy stuff happened that made me really want to go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Hoppe was um, definitely the lightning bolt to the soul and really was like the jumping off point to me just I think fully embracing the idea of combo um and I'll be honest I was scared I I was scared well I think you're a weirdo if you're not scared of combo like especially your first time (laughs) because it is it's a little oh what you're gonna you're gonna burn me and then you're gonna place this frog poison and then Uh I'm gonna throw up and Uh uh, what like I mean it's very uncomfortable and but I think once you get your mindset ready Cause you do, you have to have that mindset ready or you're, there's either, either one, it's not the time for you. Like yep. if you're just like, no, I don't want to do it. And then like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I mean, you have to have that thinking, that thought process yep. of, I want to better myself. hundred percent. You know, I want to, I want to make a change and I believe that this can help me. Mm-hmm. And you had that, you had that 
that wanting to change your life, wanting something different, knowing like, this is all I've got. Yep. I might as well fucking do it. Let's, let's go. Yep. Give me all of it. I'm going to try all the unknown. Yep. And that was, you know, and I, I briefly talked about you on, um, two podcasts prior to this. It was just me and I, I had mentioned you, but I didn't give your name or anything. Cause I'm like, she's going to be on the podcast, but you know, I don't want to tell too much of her story. I want her to, to tell it. But I did talk about the difference of people going through these experiences, these spiritual awakenings, um, energy work, plant medicine. It's, it's your intention. Yep. You know, it's, it's everything that you want in your mind and your creation. And if you don't have your head in the right spot, it's not going to magnify like the way it has for you. hundred percent. Like your story, I've served, you know, hundreds of people now with combo. Your story is so profound to me because it's so fast tracked. Yep. It's so profound every time we do something because you're, your heart's in it, your intentions in it. Like yep. you, you're ready and like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the most out of this session. Yep. A hundred percent because like you're thirsty. I, I was thirsty and mm-hmm. I know this is a weird metaphor or simile. My English teacher is going to be mad that I can't remember the difference between She'll the two. Forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> but, and this is weird, but mm-hmm. I kind of liken it to this. There is sex and there's making love. Oh, okay. This is okay. a good comparison. Sex. Like- there are so many benefits, lower blood pressure. There's so many things that, you know, science proves um, sex is good for, right? Mm-hmm. But you know when you have sex and you know when you make love. And when you make love, it's that sex, that that physical, but it's also that mental, right? Mm-hmm. Where there's that connection with that soul in a way that it's this like compounding effect that unto itself sex just, it just can't do, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Maybe people disagree, but to me, when you have great sex, but you're also in love, that's some fucking magic, yeah, right? Yeah. That's... And for me, the combo, can you do it if you're not in a terrible place like me? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because everyone has shit to work on, mm-hmm. right? But it, if you're like walking into it with an intention, in my first combo session, my intention was I had recognized that I hadn't let my mother go. I felt like... um because I had watched the way she grieved my brother's death and mm-hmm. other deaths in our life. I had been trained and, and, and taught that if you love something, then you can't let it go. Right. Because if you let it go, it symbolizes you didn't really love it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Those people are gone. You don't deserve to be happy. That's how my mom lived the rest of her life after my brother died. It was tragic. And I didn't want, when I looked at the the tragedy of losing my mother, I said, what is the only thing that can make this fucking worse than it already is? Okay. And it wasn't suicide. It was continuing to live a life that, again, insanity, right? I've watched the things I was doing the same over and over again. I watched my mom do it. And I saw where that led. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I only got half my life left. I got to break this cycle. Like, my, I don't want to say legacy because that makes me sound like hoity-toity, but I got to figure out a way to make life mean something. And for me, it was about being true to myself and it was about connecting with myself and loving myself for who I am. And Combo allowed me to let go of my mom and release myself of the fear, obligation, and guilt that I had felt with 
feeling like if I let her go, it meant I didn't love her. Mm -hmm. If I didn't stay sad, then it meant I didn't grieve her and love her. So combo really, I mean, that's what that first session was. And I don't know, you know, if you even recall, but I just kept saying, I forgive you. Oh, no, I definitely remember. It was very, it was a very emotional session. I remember it very vivid. And yeah, so, and I only placed three gates on your ankle too. So that's the interesting thing is, you know, we, I usually like to start with the ankle and, you know, and I've said this on prior podcasts, but working with the flow of a woman, yep. it starts on the ankle and then goes through up. And so that was, it was really profound. And I remember you saying that I, is that I forgive her? I, I, for, I, I forgive, forgive you. you. I forgive, I forgive you. me. Yeah. I forgive me for the things that I had held on to as guilt that Mm -hmm. I wasn't a good enough daughter that Mm -hmm. I hadn't done enough. Right. And I forgave her for the mother that she, you know, was right. Again, Mm -hmm. I loved her. We were very close, like freaking frack. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also, I think we learn as we get older and we start to see our parents as adults, the eyes that we see our parents through, as an adult is, are different than the eyes mm-hmm. of a child. Mm-hmm. And I had had so much anger with my mother around my dad leaving around the poverty and all of that. And, you know, we were in foster care. There was a lot of really fucked up stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just, as I got older and I started down my journey and I started messing up in my life, right. Making the, some mistakes. I thought, you know, I made this mistake, but I don't have four kids on my hip to take care of. Thank God. Like my mother dealt with a lot, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to start to um, forgive her for the things she wasn't able to do, right? Yeah. And let her go. And that's that's what Combo did for me. And that is why I sincerely believe I've snapped out of my depression because I realized that um, that was what was keeping me held back from, from healing. I'm going to play a video. <laughs> I think you know which video I'm going to pick, <laughs> which I freaking love. Hang on, let me make sure I'm connected to this Bluetooth. Uh, that was, I won't forget that night. You left my home. This was after your first combo session. Uh huh. And, you know, your intention was to release your mom. Yep. Forgive her and forgive me. Yeah. And- kind of more of the mental, yep. spiritual aspect of it, not so much physical. Right. And, um, which this is one of the things that I love about you so much, Samantha. <laughs> You always, you send me these random text messages and it's kind of like a, a play by play book on how you're, you're growing yeah, and, and things that you're starting to connect and realize. Mm-hmm. And it freaking makes me so happy when I read these things. And I mean, I, I could be here all night reading like some <laughs> of the texts that you've sent and, and the profound moments that you shared with me, which I hope that you share a few with the audience, the, Absolutely. whoever's listening to this, because I think it will really help them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that if people aren't trying it, it's out of the unknown and fear. Mm-hmm. And I just want folks to know that, like, sincerely, it's changed my life in a way that I never thought possible. This was that same night that yep. I administered your first session of Combo. And I'm going to play this video for everybody. And I obviously added it on TikTok. <laughs> so I got the background, some really, you know, nice <laughs> music sentim- playing. sentimental music. And then it's on my Instagram and Facebook, too, if you guys... Um, Recognize this. Okay, here we go. This is you. Okay, so I had to show you this. Ever since I had my back surgery, when I bend over at the hip, it hurts. It just does. Watch. Look. 
No pain. <laughs> my sports bra on the video. <laughs> it's all good. Look what? at my face. I. The face is just like legit. This is real. Yeah. It's it's. I am twisting at the hips. Oh yeah, I'm starting to do like the wiggle, and realizing that basically, I don't feel every vertebrae in my back from my back surgery like I normally do. And I started jumping because I played basketball growing up and I haven't been able to play basketball, which is like a huge stress relief for me because I can't jump because of my back. And I went and played pickup basketball. Since my car accident when I was in college, yeah. I'm 36. Uh-huh. I remembered your age. Yeah. Uh. And I was jumping without pain. Actually, there's more videos I'll send you. I've started taking videos especially after the first few sessions, like right after. And then like when I would wake up, like I literally was, there was a moment the first few sessions where it was like, do you ever see that episode of friends where they got free porn? I know this is a weird segue. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No, I can't remember. Okay. Joey. And That's the one I remember the most. Yeah. Joey and Chandler end up getting somehow free porn and mm -hmm. they, they, they can't leave in front of the TV and they can't turn the TV off because they're afraid it won't come back. Right. <sighs> It's, it's a weird segue, but that's my way of saying I was like feeling so good. I was like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, this can't be real, mm -hmm. right? Like this has got to be some random, like, I don't know. I, I thought for sure it couldn't be real because when you felt so bad for so long, it's, it, it's pretty alarming. And then, mm -hmm. like you said, you start to notice the little things like, I know it sounds weird, but my back pain, you know, it 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 basically damaged the nerve in my left leg because it went un undiagnosed. Undi Gotta love Western medicine, right? Again, mm -hmm. respect doctors, comma. Of course. I went to, to three different orthopedic surgeons, Ivy League educated, who all misdiagnosed me. So it went on so long that when they finally figured out what was going on, they were like immediate operation, right? I went in thinking I was going to get a shot. And all of a sudden they're like, we're putting you on the surgery list to have your spine operated on. And I it's been a profound life change, right? You can have surgery, but literally my left leg, because I have nerve damage, I can't cross it without like, there's a certain angle I get to and I, can't, I have to grab it. Mm -hmm. Like an old person, it's, mm -hmm. it's because of the nerve damage. Yeah. So I hadn't been able to shave that ankle without sitting down, right? And kind of maneuvering to do it because I had nerve damage. And I still have nerve damage, but literally I can, I have more strength in that leg to, it, weird like weird 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 things I my skin I remember I I think I sent you a picture I was like I sent a selfie to my niece who hadn't seen me in a while and she's like you are glowing she's like mm, it's a combo glow yeah and I'm like <laughs> totally because of my stress and stuff like I battle like under skin adult acne and I just was like wow and then the other thing is um I have GI issues so ever since I was I've had autoimmune which mm -hmm. a lot of I know a lot of combo people turn to autoimmune Mm -hmm. I've since learned this. I did not know this at the time. And it basically, I woke up the next morning and I was so used to feeling this like ache in my stomach that it just was one of those things that just always was, right? Almost mm -hmm. like my back pain. And I remember waking up and being like, oh my God, like, you know, when you drink too much coffee on an empty stomach and you've got like that acidic yeah. feeling, that's how it was every day for me, no matter what I did. That's the, the, and they couldn't figure it out. I'd been to so many different specialists. I'd had, nobody could figure it out. And I realized it's stress related. It's autoimmune. 
it's triggered, yada, yada. Combo and Hoppe, literally, like, I don't know all the, you know, molecules of it, but whatever it did, it literally reset my GI tract. My, not to get gross and too graphic, but if you suffer from autoimmune, you know that it's closely tied to GI issues, as is anxiety and depression because mm-hmm. of malnutrition absorption, right? This is something I've been dealing with for 15 years, okay? Wow. To be able to have regularity there, right? And also the the mindfulness that I got after I did it, I found myself starting to eat better because I wasn't as impulsive. I was planning better. I was thinking more clearly. I wasn't always running from here to there because I was scattered. Well, you sent me a text um, of some side-by-side pictures uh-huh. of before combo and after, uh-huh. and I could see the weight difference. Yep. And then... Um, you you had wrote in that text message saying I didn't realize how much my eating was emotional eating. Oh, it it was. I know it's like you didn't you weren't I, aware I wasn't of conscious. It. Yeah, there was no. And this is something that has kickstarted because I've always been someone I, I candidly I've struggled with my weight. I've been skinny. I've been chubby. I've been fat. I've been every mm-hmm. size in between. And a lot of people that are listening that have struggled with weight, whatever struggle it is, they have. We try to address struggle physically, okay? Whether it be um, weight issues, addiction, you know, different things, right? But it is oftentimes very largely mental, right? Now, there are people with uh, preconditions, like I'm not judging, right? But there's so much psychology tied to it. And what I had learned was um, it was deeply rooted, rooted in my childhood. A lot of children who come from poverty because you grow up not knowing when you're going to get your next meal mm-hmm. or kind of, I mean, Lord of the flies, like you got to eat when you have it kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You start to have a really unhealthy relationship with food and because it's such a treat to get, it's like this like mental thing. Right. And it's something that you learn to turn to in those times of stress and it's, you know, losing mom and all those things. I was just mindlessly eating and I didn't even realize cause it's a pandemic. Everybody's wearing you know, yoga pants, how much weight I'd gained. And it was just compounding that, 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 um, you know, not feeling like I have the energy to even work out. Right. Mm -hmm. Not having the energy to say, you know what, I'm not going to grab the potato chips. I'm going to grab a bunch full of grapes. Right. I'm going to take the extra step and, you know, have, um, natural peanut butter and apple instead of the Doritos in the, in the pantry. Right. Because I knew that was going to make me feel better. I knew kind of back to that, you know, don't turn off the porn. Right. Mm -hmm. I felt so good. I felt like, you know what? I got an opportunity here to feel better. It's up to me what I do with it. Right. And it gave me this consciousness to say, to start making the next right decision. Now, have I faltered? Absolutely. Right. Um, Just last uh, Valentine's day, a uh, husband and I decided to get a divorce just a couple of days ago. Not not a great thing, right? Oh gosh, on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Um oh, and all right, I met a freaking crazy <laughs> ex on Valentine's Day. So we can we can reset Valentine's Day next year together. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm done with Valentine's Day. But but what I've learned is that was two days ago. If that had happened before combo, after losing my mom, I had a cancer scare from November to January, like a lot of shit happened, right? Moved across the country. If that had happened before combo. I don't know if you'd be here. No. Where I was, I was already on my edge of brink. 
the one thing I was clinging on to is this relationship, right? And what I realized is, you know, I, I thought a lot about it, like, you know, kind of like if I let mom go, it means I didn't love her, right? We're talking these themes in my mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. If I let him go, it means I didn't love him. And I do love him. I can't let him go, right? But he had seen behind the curtain. He had seen me in my darkest hour. Um, and that had a toll on him too, you know? And I'm not making apologies for behavior, but it it would... I would not be able to have the perspective I have 48 hours after deciding that the man that I still love deeply, deeply, um, I'm divorcing where we've already talked about, but right before I came here, we sit on the couch. He'd come back from dinner with a friend and we started looking around the room and Hey, what's your feeling on that blanket? I kind of really like that blanket. Oh like, God. I remember that feeling. You just took me back. Yeah. <laughs> It's and then it's cringy. and then it's like sitting down on a paper because we want to be respectful to each other and you don't want to hire a lawyer because mm-hmm. at the end of the day what makes it worse somebody else getting rich off your misery right yeah and we want to do this respectfully because you know when pain happens we have a choice of how we deal with it and the only thing that can make it worse in my opinion is letting the pain change you and who you are and let it cause you to behave in a way that disrespects what was right we were in love right he asked me to marry him the night I found out my mom was taken to the ICU and dying okay like he was there for me in my darkest I'm talking didn't I lost probably two months where I don't even remember the time right Mm -hmm. he was there for me and I have been able to have the perspective that we are ending it does not mean that I'm a failure it does not mean mm-hmm. that I am not worthy, that I'm not worth. And same for him. That is a really respectful way of putting it and talking to each other. I love that. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean he's bad and it doesn't mean I'm bad. We're no. just not, we're not serving each other in a good way. And I strongly believe that people come in our lives um, for reasons yep. at certain times yep. for them to learn, for us to learn. We're always learning and yep. we're always growing. And so... Um, when we can sit with that and be okay, just like you said, it's not anything that you did. It's not yeah. anything that he did. Yeah. The time's up momentarily, whether yeah. you guys reconnect later down the road or not. Yeah. To learn to accept that, that's why it's so important to love yourself. Yep. That's why it's so important to have yourself in order. So when these things happen, it doesn't break us. It doesn't, exactly. And we can look, we can change our perspective and see I learned something from that. And it's so interesting. I swear you and I are so similar more than like, I'm, I'm like finding out more and more. And I was going to talk about, don't let me forget about our tattoos. Okay. That's freaky as fuck too. <laughs> um, but when you were talking about how he was there in the dark times, how he proposed to you when, you know, you found out your mom was passing and, yep. and got sick. Um, my, my husband, my ex-husband was there for me in my dark times mm-hmm. when I found out my sister was diagnosed with stage four cancer mm-hmm. And he was there for me. He and we ended up getting, he proposed to me when she was sick and then we rushed things so she could be in the wedding. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, it's interesting that you, you brought that up. Cause I was just actually looking back the other day because I mean, we have a good relationship, but it's not like friend. I wouldn't say friendship. Yeah. It's just, you know, we're nice. We're civil. We'll cordial. Put it that, yeah, yeah. We're cordial. But I was looking at, I was thinking back the other day and I was like, you know, like he, he went through a lot too. Yep. Having having this person that he loved, you know, going through this trauma and 
at the time didn't know how to deal with it. Yep. So what did I do? I shoved it down. I shoved it down. And then I would either take it out on him. He would take things out of me and, and just turn something bad. But I am so grateful. This is where I, this is where I'm getting at. But I was so grateful that I had someone yep. during those times and that he did help me. And then I helped him too in, in other ways, in some ways that I don't even realize that I hope he can see one day. Yep. Um, but it's so important to change your perspective to see the good because there is good in everything. There is good. And even the most challenging times there will, there is good. Yep. And if you, you know, I think as we get older, you know, our, our memories start to meld together and the things that stick out to us are less because we have more experience. Right. And I think sometimes people can have a propensity to have the bad be the things that stick out because it's human nature. Humans are more pain avoidant than pleasure seeking. It's a, it's a scientific fact. Mm -hmm. And so when we do experience pain, it tends to permeate our, our conscious deeper than we can ever imagine. Okay. And I think that there is a propensity of just in human nature to remember the bad. Right. And I really think it's important in combo and hoppe because you are so seated in your consciousness and because you are so balanced you're able to have empathy in every situation in a way that, you know, a, a guy at work the other day was so fucking rude to me and dismissive. And just, I, I literally thought, man, I feel bad for this dude's wife. Like I can tell by the way he's dealing with this, like he's not oh. a kind, he's in a bad place. His energy is bad. Mm -hmm. And I, my initial reaction, the old Meg pre-combo was going to be like, you and you know spend six hours hyper obsessing on this email i'm going to draft to prove he's wrong and he <laughs> you know just please see attached i sent this to you on this date asshole why did you copy my boss right let me show you okay uh, let me tell you what time it is uh -huh. and i remember i had that thought it happened uh -huh. but then because i was conscious and because of i was seated in my consciousness and i was understanding that i am the hearer of the voice i am not the voice that is what consciousness is. Yes. You are the hearer of the voice. And that means that that voice isn't you. And you have a choice of what you recognize as just the rambling and chattering of a, of a human mind, right? And what is true, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to say in my consciousness and I'm going to reach for empathy for this guy. I don't know what's going on in his world. He could be going through a divorce, Right. Just he, found out he had cancer. Yeah. yeah uh, lost you, someone to COVID. Uh, yeah. You never car know. Car crash. Never know. You never know. And so I found myself, forgive him in, in that moment. Mm. And immediately it's like my anxiety and blood pressure immediately went down. That like, that like amping yourself up and getting really upset about something. Like I never had control over that. And when you don't have control over that, that compounds. If you're constantly injecting um, a flood of emotion in your limbic system. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is not healthy. Mm -mm. That cre that bruises the, the soul, the mind and the brain. And how many, cause I've been there and I, I still struggle it from time to time, mm -hmm. but I catch myself bringing awareness in, mm -hmm. but how many people in relationships overthink things, overthink, uh, what their partner thinks of them, mm -hmm. how we make up stories mm -hmm. oh. that happens so much in relationships, like so much. I, I have tons of friends that do that. My close friends, you know, I've done that. I still do that. Kate actually did that the other night. 
<laughs> we won't get into it, but um, but that's something I'm conscious of and I'm I'm aware of that I'm working on. It's it, but the key is awareness. Awareness, yeah. And also, I think it's more than awareness. I think it's also vulnerability because mm-hmm. when your mind starts to tell itself a story, right? You have to recognize it's basing it off prior experiences, and you're not giving the person the benefit of the doubt, but you're also being a coward because. You're lacking the humility it takes to ask the question. Hey, hey, what do you mean by that? When you say that, you know, it kind of makes me feel insecure. It kind of makes me feel like and worry. And I know that's not a rational thought that you took a little bit longer to go to get milk or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I really want you to know I love you and I really don't want to ever have these things store in my mind and play in my head later because I have a propensity to have those things happen. Help me understand. I think it's because combo and and hape, it takes you to that edge of what you think is possible. Okay. Showing it, who you can be. Yep. And you say to yourself afterwards, I can do that. You know, that I can do anything. Right. It is such a um profoundly empowering experience that I don't want to say you feel like superwoman because that's, you know, cliche, but you just kind of feel like I got this. Like I'm, this sucks in the moment. Maybe I'll watch a couple extra episodes of Euphoria on HBO. Right. Kind of mm-hmm. be a little sad, but I'm going <laughs> to pop up after that. I'm going to be fine. Yep. And I, I got my I'm going to be fine back because my mother had always been my you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Anytime I felt like I couldn't keep going. She was my fucking cheerleader. She was on the sidelines like you've got this. Get up. You know, she grew up in the age of, like I said, like 60s. She was a very powerful woman in in corporate America at the time. She, you know, shattered glass ceilings. Like she was my power of talisman, right? And I lost her. And I didn't know how to find my power again without her because she was my anchor and my power. And technically, you you never had that power, to be honest. Correct. You shared that with her. She was that anchor. Yep. Then you realize when she was gone, you no longer had that. And super codependent. You were lost. Yep. yep. And we, and that's a scary thing is we don't even realize how codependent we are. I am. Coda, if you, I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. And my sister took me to a meeting and I didn't know what I was walking into. And, you know, they all sit around in a little square. I'm like, Coda, what is this? Like, What is Coda? I don't even know what Coda oh, is. Oh, Codependence Anonymous. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, Coda, like that was my dog's name. So I'm like, <laughs> how'd you know about her? Yeah, I know. Codependence Anonymous. Okay. And it's basically, you know, it, it's a collection of people who have had a lot of similar childhood experiences that mm-hmm. create a certain struggle in life, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to sit around and I th- for pretty much two minutes, you kind of share what's what's going on in your life this week. Right. And it's just a way to kind of feel like, oh, I'm not weird or crazy. There are other people that go through this, too. And it just helps you balance and and, and connect. Um, It it can be a really um, I don't routinely go. I should. Again, pandemic, it's tough to, you know, I mean, I think you're doing good right now, to be honest. I don't think you need it. But, you know, I'd probably be the one that they're like, they can't tell you not to come. Right. It's an (laughs) inclusive community, but they kind of be like, we should change the time and not tell her. Yeah. Don't let her know that there's stuff here to eat. Oh, yeah. Like literally, I, I I would probably not be invited back because (laughs) I would just go on and on about crazy frog medicine Mm -hmm. and how you guys need to open your eyes and like, because you have to be careful with how enthusiastic you get about it. Uh 
Because I think people are looking for a way to dismiss it Mm -hmm. because they want to protect what they think. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why I wanted to come on the show and talk about it because, you know, outside looking in, I am, you know, corporate America, you know, vanilla. Like I'm not someone that I would think, you know, and a lot of folks would think, would be turning to something alternative, right? I think people get a stereotype and they just get dismissed because they get lumped into these groups of just the, you know, the, oh, they're hippies or they're, you know, they're they're on the fringe. I, I don't live in the fringe, right? Like I am a, I, I'm a responsible tax-paying adult. I have a great, like I, there are people like me in corporate America and I bump into them every day that can benefit from this journey. But because of the, again, Amazon boxes, right, Mm -hmm. that the world puts you in, you don't get to do things. And that's when I started to open my eyes that, you know what, I may not fit the stereotypical mold, maybe, of people that would approach these things. But we, if you have that common experience of dealing with anxiety, dealing with depression, dealing with codependency, dealing with, um, you know, just patterns in life of, of up and down, right? And you have turned to everything. I have done dry needling. I've done float therapy, you know, sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've, I probably, before I started doing combo, was spending two, four, six, eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month on massages. Damn. I not mean, because delightful but. it does <laughs> it does but it wasn't massages like oh i'm gonna go get a swedish massage it you was were the, trying to release i was trying yeah. to release it was the only thing that made me so i could sleep because i was so tight and tense mm. all the time mm-hmm. and I, I i mean i tried i looked into so many different things i did uh, what acupuncture you know with the needles yeah. i did with the people with the bars and they walk on you right yeah the feet massages i did everything i i went to korean spas i went to russian spas i tried everything i've tried every western approach to the problems i was having right mm-hmm. i had paid for the best doctors and it wasn't working and their answer was well you're on 37.5 what if we what if we what if we put you on 75 let, 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 let's just see what that does let's just keep going up well, we're, well, we're never going to resolve the problem but we're going to try to cover it up the best we yeah. can well why why are you picking that many milligrams doc like what you know talk to me about what happens when that happens well you know everybody's different there's no guarantees but here take this and then tell me if you feel better oh my gosh i was watching actually commercials the other night just because I, I was watching a show on hulu and it makes you watch fucking commercials unless you want to pay for it and i don't <laughs> i don't either i'm cheap I'm, I'm like, i'll watch it that's something i'm cheap about <laughs> yeah, I'll, for just, sure. I'll just mute it uh, but it's funny like so many drug commercials because mm-hmm. i'm not used to watching because i don't watch tv anyways mm-hmm. and so when i do it's rare and then i really notice the commercials because mm-hmm. i'm not so like plugged in uh-huh. and so i'm watching these commercials and i'm just like laughing it's like drug company after another it's like here's another drug here's a drug for this here's a drug for that and then it's like they they ha- always have the happiest people riding bikes and uh-huh. like one was like throwing mail and i'm like no one fucking does that anymore you know not mail excuse me the the newspaper yep. no one throws a fucking newspaper anymore <laughs> but it was just kind of funny so they have you know little johnny throwing the newspaper and they talk, they talk this drug up, but then it's like, then it's a whole two minutes of the side effects. And it's just like, well, you could have a, 
a healthy hairline, but then there's also depression, suicide, and heart problems, and yep. then you're constipated, and good luck getting it up tonight. Yeah. But your hairline is going to be great. A hundred. Like, let's <sighs> trade one for another. Like, my mind's blown that this, you know, and I'm not, I think it's great if you have some complication and you need to take, like, something for a week to get over yeah. that. Or, you know what I mean? Break yeah. that hump or something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like long-term, let's get on this stuff. Like that's what scares me. And that's what I hope people um, stop doing, stop taking that drug and yep. try to solve the problem itself. Yeah. yeah, because one thing I learned um, is I one time, I travel a lot and I had gone to Israel and I had forgot to pack my medicine. And I, the medicine that I was on literally says it gives you brain zaps, which literally feels like little electrical zaps in your brain when you start to come off of it. Damn. And of course they don't tell you this Uh when you get on it. Right. And they also don't tell you if you go to the next, cause they graduate you that literally the detox time to get off of it safely is you're talking, you're literally opening a capsule and there's tiny little beads in it and you're counting them and every five days maybe you're taking one less bead it takes people years to get off this shit and i went to israel with none of it i went from having it to none of it i'm in a foreign country right Uh i can't get the medicine right and i'm like what do i do and going through what i went through in the way i felt just the physical at first. And mm-hmm. then this deep, deep, like, whoa, what's going on? Like, I am all over the place. It takes months for that to get out of your system to the point where it was so terrifying to go through that. I'd always told myself, if I ever get back on medicine, I can't go up a dosage. Like, I can't put myself through that again. And I was at the point where, like, when I came to Combo and Hop A, and I was in that suicidal ideation, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't talk about it. I mean, there was an option, right? I'd take more drugs. I take more prescribed drugs and trust me, they, they were easily prescribed to me. Okay. But I just remember how bad it was to come down from it. And I thought before I try that, it's either that suicide that or like before I try these extremes, let me, let me just try something different. Right. Let me just be open to it. And I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have to go up. Matter of fact, I'm going down. Um, and I like you said the weight loss and the pain management. I'm sleeping better. I woke up this morning, funnily enough. So my husband's been gone since January one. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in. So we had our counseling uh, Valentine's Day. We decided yada yada, but I haven't seen him in like two months. And he saw the old me right before I started understanding trying combo and hoppe. Yeah. This morning, because he's sleeping in the guest bedroom, I woke up. I turned on my Bob Marley. <laughs> love that you're listening to Bob Marley. And, oh, yeah, that's my morning jam. Bob Marley, are you kidding me? Ooh, Exodus, it. like, there is <laughs> pound for pound, you know, gram for gram if you get my drift. There is no better morning music than Bob it's Marley. It's true, though. Like, I would love to wake up to, like, the smell of coffee and one love. Oh. One love. Three little birds. Yeah, let's get together and oh. be all right. Yeah, like, I don't know it's my, but from. what's funny is I share that because... I got up before Andrew and Andrew works with like clients in India and Mm -hmm. Asia. He's constantly waking up at two and three in the morning for meetings. It, I haven't woken up before Andrew to the point where he walked in and 
let's just say it surprised him, right? I got up and I've been getting up while he's been gone mm-hmm. at six or maybe, you know, and I was getting, it was, I was, you were having to drag me out of bed, not brush my teeth eight o'clock to get to my computer by 8 a.m. That's mm-hmm. how just down I was. Yeah. And now I'm waking up, I'm putting in some buffer time to make sure I have a nice glass of coffee. Like I'm making sure I take my apple cider vinegar gummies in the morning. I'm making sure I'm walking around on my plants and like putting my finger in the soil and be like, Hmm, is my little succulent need more water? Oh my gosh. Like, I love that. I, like <laughs> the stuff that I had ignored, you know, it sounds like you're living. Yeah. I, I, in the morning I play with foo, my cat. I always, mm-hmm. I throw little hair ties for him. Mm-hmm. It's like this ease mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's something that forget just since I lost my mom and I've been going through this, what I would consider the most profound pain of my life. Mm-hmm. I haven't ever felt like this. I, when you grow up in the type of childhood I did, you grow up real fast mm-hmm. and you learn very quickly a lot of adult things. You know, a five year old shouldn't know what a bounce check is. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you learn the really heavy things of life, right? And I never had a light, you know, when people are like, oh, when I was a child and da 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 I grew up just being like, when I have control of my life and I can make my own money, like I'm never going to be poor again. And not because there's something wrong with poor. It was just so much, it was so painful. Mm-hmm. And I saw the pain that it brought and instability. And I, I never knew a lightness that I have now, even in college, I got buddies. They'll be like, man, I miss those college years. They'll go back to Athens. I went to UGA, go dogs. And <laughs> they'll go back to Athens and they'll be like, man, I had so much fun. I relive the glory years. College wasn't my fucking glory years. No, it wasn't mine either. I worked two jobs, went to school and yeah. Yeah. These are my glory years. Mm-hmm. Same here. That's girl. how I'm feeling. Yeah. Like I am feeling, I went from literally writing suicide letters and apologizing to my family and my loved ones to I feel like I can live my glory years and the best years aren't behind me and I haven't lost. I only have opportunity for gain and it's my decision what story I write. Absolutely love that. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. And I'm going to stumble. Let's, I think we can't romanticize things, Mm -hmm. but it's that like perseverance to know you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. and good things are going to come. Bad shit's going to come too, but you got to let that pass through you. You can't internalize it. It will weigh you down. You got to get to a point in your life where you just accept the good and the bad. Yep. When you're up here with the good, then it's going to hurt really bad when it comes down Mm -hmm. because there's always where there's an up, there's a down. We have the yin and the yang in this Mm -hmm. world. So you have to try to live kind of in that middle ground in the balance. So you're not having these high peaks of waves. Yep. You just kind of coast just in the flow. I call it the flow zone. Yep. You want to get into that flow zone. So when the bad times do come, it's not going to knock you to your ass. Yep. It's not going to break your world apart. Yep. And it's, I think when I talk, I can't say for you why you have the highs and the lows, but I've reflected and learned it's because it's a little bit of an addiction for me. Um, yeah, it is. It's, I, it is addictive. Yeah. I like the, the, the highs, you know, the, the rushes, right? Mm-hmm. But once you get seated in your consciousness and you realize there's so much beauty in just being, and you can feel comfortable 
being Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be that one that's constantly thrill seeking and and don't get me wrong. I love doing things. I'm going to Ecuador, right? Like I don't have much of a plan, but (laughs) I don't need, and and you start to make better choices, right? The food, right? Mm -hmm. Those sugar highs, right? Those carb highs. You're not seeking those things, right? Same with relationships. You're able to make better decisions on partners because when you feel that just fucking tight, there is when you grow up the way that I did, you get addicted to codependency is part of it. Mm-hmm. That thrill, those yeah. people that you get codependent with and you're both unhealthy, you light up a spark inside of you because you understand each other in a certain way. And understanding can be good, but if you're connecting, right, and you're bonding over trauma, they call it trauma bonding, mm-hmm. it's not healthy. Yep. And we crave that and we, we start to create that men in that max, that delta, right? Where we believe that that is what we want and need, right? And like you said, you can't have the yin without the yang. Mm-hmm. And we lose the beauty of the in-between in the being um, because we're uncomfortable there because guess what? You can't distract yourself, yep. right? You're just being You're that present. chatter, yeah. that voice in your head, right? Mm-hmm. And and that is what Combo's done for me. Um, it's opened up my ability to write, work. Um, I'm finally going after promotions that I feel like I've been I've deserved for years. And when I've interviewed for those type of jobs, and they ask the hard questions like, "Why should we pick you?" Right? Everybody loves that fucking question. I was like, "Motherfucker, why shouldn't you pick me?" Right? But <laughs> that's when you grow up. I have a what they call imposter syndrome. Okay. And it's where you believe that your success is not because of you. You believe it's predicated on luck. You believe that you've just outworked people and you're not really that smart and you just got lucky, right? Because surely it's not because you deserve it or surely it's not because you're good enough, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you interview for promotions and women do this all the time. Oh yeah. I'm guilty of this. Yep. There's a statistic I read that if a job posting says is, it requires 10 skills, requires, it says requirement, not optional. Something like 87% of men will apply to a job where they don't even meet half of the requirements. Okay. So true. Ten, everything in life. <laughs> 10 to 20% of women will. Yeah. So literally the women aren't going for the jobs because they hold themselves to, well, I don't mean all of them. I'm not good enough. Right. And this confidence of, right? We lack this confidence and uh-huh. it's embedded in us. And so I wasn't, I would interview for these jobs and I wouldn't get them. And I'm like, what the fuck? I know I work harder. I know I'm smarter. Like, why isn't this happening? And I knew it's, and I figured out it's because I doubt myself. And when they ask me those questions, I can't convince them because I can't convince me. Mm-hmm. And finally I had this job interview and I'm starting a new job and uh, it hasn't been announced to my current job. So <laughs> not sure when this airs, but um, <laughs> essentially it's a job that, I never in my wildest dreams would have gone for because I didn't think I was smart enough, good enough. You didn't think you were deserving of no. it. And no. when and when the lady that was interviewing me asked me, you know, and she just said it, here are my concerns. Here are the things that I'm concerned about. The old me would have been like, you know what? I can see why you're concerned about that, you know? And I would have shown insecurity, mm-hmm. right? They don't want someone that's insecure. They mm-hmm. want someone that's going to execute. They want someone that's going to have the confidence that even if they don't know how to do it, they're going to find the resources to do it. Right. Cause they don't have to babe. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't want to have to like make you feel good enough to do your job. And I just told her, I said, I can see why you think that, but let me tell you why you're wrong. 
And I just said it real. Oh bluntly. my gosh, I'd love it. And I said, I say that with all due respect, but I have seen enough out there to know that if I can sell air conditioning and then go into banking in Florida, in, in Florida and mm-hmm. go into banking and technology and, uh, you know, have five bosses in one year, no training, right? And do 3x the results of my peers who have 5x experience. There's something there. That's not luck. And it's not that I'm amazing. It's not in the sense that I'm not, I don't want it to sound cocky because I think that humility is very important, but there is a difference between humility and self-deprecation and letting it limit you. Mm -hmm. And I got tired of watching colleague after colleague that I know works half as hard as I do is a third as intelligent, right? And goes about it in a way that is wrong, right? Maybe they're not as ethical, maybe they, whatever, get promoted and constantly ascend the ranks and think, why, why aren't I? And you have to, unfortunately, the world oftentimes will not give you what you deserve. Okay. When I say the world, I don't mean the universe. I mean, especially the business world. You know, it's, uh, in many ways, it's good. It's dog eat dog. It's survival of the fittest. It's capitalism, right? It's the things America was built on. But it can create an environment for women, especially, where they feel torn between operating in a domain of what a woman does, says, and acts and feels, right? Mm -hmm. As service to how the men around her want her to act, right? I found myself, when I would work in the South, being more laid back, being more dismissive, not challenging, you know, because I knew that that's what was expected of me, right? And it, it only got me so far, but when it came to who gets the good jobs and all the, no, you know, she's not worthy, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I just decided to take my power. So I'm going to Ecuador and then I'm starting a new job. I love it. It's so much change, like physically, mentally, spiritually, career. Like it's it's blowing my mind right now, like how happy I am for you. I, I freaking love it. I love that I was able to see you at your lowest point and see you now. The comparison, you can't even compare the two. It's oh. so different. And I, I freaking love it. Um, I'm so thankful that I'm, I'm a part of your life now. Thank you. Like in same. And I, I'm love being, um, your guru, your shaman, (laughs) but most of all, I feel like I'm your friend and I love that. And I love that we both have tattoos of our siblings that passed, which is bizarre that we both got on our left wrist and it's the initial, like yours, yours initial mine's my sister's little initial signature yep. and it's same just, wrist, same wrist. And I'm like, there's a lot of like, Hmm, is, <laughs> this isn't a coincidence. Like we were, I believe, and I believe this with everybody, but especially you, you know, we were put in each other's paths yep. for a reason in this time, in this moment, everything is perfect. Yes. It and, really is. Everything is perfect. Uh, and, and what I, what I feel when I think about our friendship and coming across each other is this, you know, my mom's gone and she was always, like I said, my guide. Right. And, you know, you can say what you want about the afterlife and I don't have a traditional mindset of what that looks like and what it might be. But if there is something, um, and whatever that manifests, I have to believe is there's someone strong enough to help put things in my path to help me. It was my mother. And, all she ever worried about was taking care of her children and making sure they're okay. And, you know, I truly believe you being put in my path, the different things that have just randomly, you know, it found you on Instagram, right? Like mm-hmm. 
the coincidences in my life can't be coincidences is what I realize. And I, I, you have to recognize that, you know what I mean? Stop when something seems uncanny, right? It's a sign. And I know that sounds crazy signs, right? It was a movie, but I literally, my mother, again, I'm not like traditional heaven and earth, like, you know, good and bad, like heaven and hell. My mother, I was, this was before I met you. I remember I was going into TJ Maxx. I'm a Maxinista. And, you know, I had been turning to food and guess mm-hmm. what else I've been turning to? Retail wine. therapy. Oh, I was, okay. Well, I was like, wine. I can <laughs> fuck up a TJ Maxx. Okay. And to the point where they're like, are you sure you don't want to apply for the credit card? You'd save a lot of money. You know, I'm like, no, the 29% interest rate. No, thank you, ma'am. But I went into TJ Maxx and I saw a lady as I was walking in that looked just like my mom, the way she walked to the point where for a moment I forgot she was dead. Wow. I saw her and it wouldn't make sense. She were, I'm in Utah. Why would she be here? Right. Yeah, yeah. For a split second, I literally thought, oh, my God, that woman looks like my mom. And I was walking into the TJ Maxx and I had my mask on. And like, I just remember the tears started mm. flooding because mm. it just hit me. Yeah. And for a second, I forgot she was dead. I was in a. I was, and I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out in TJ Maxx. I don't want to be the weirdo, right? But I also want to shop. So let me just, you know, walk over to the men's section, which I have no business being in. (laughs) And I walk over to the men's section. I swear there's a point to this. I walk over to the men's section. As I'm literally sitting there, you know, mascara running, just having for one of the first times since she died, forgotten she died. Because every day it's been with me up to that point. Mm -hmm. And when I looked up, in the middle of the men's perfume section, next to the clothes, was a wreath. No business being there, right? Wreaths, all the decor. Again, I could draw you a layout of every TJ Maxx in a 50-mile radius. Like, I know it's nowhere near that section. And it's a wreath. And it looks like an exact replica of the wreaths that my mom used to make at the holidays. Okay? Oh. And not only that, okay? Because my mom was very artistic. Mm-hmm. It had sunflowers on it. Mm-hmm. And my mom's nickname for me was her little sunflower. That was our thing. And I I literally like I'm wiping the tears and I look up and it's what I see. It's like standing right in front of me. No business being on the perfume rack. Right. And just little things like that where when I feel like I'm at my lowest or not lowest, but it hits me. Mm -hmm. You know, she communicates to me. And I really think with the combo, the signs haven't have to be as frequent because I'm not in that place. Right. But. I've been able to connect with her verbally and talk, you know, out loud yeah, and feel comfortable doing that and do it in a way where it doesn't send me into a tailspin. I got to a point where I couldn't even like, I had to put all her shit up. Like I couldn't think about it. I didn't want to go home to Georgia because I just associated it with her death. Um, I, I, I was avoiding it. And finally now I enjoy talking about her I love um, that. good and bad and, and represent that in its truth. Because there is good with bad. And it doesn't mean she was a good, you know what I mean? Like, just being yeah. honest with that. Yeah. It took me a while to be able to talk about my sister without tearing up. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, and it's hard for me because people are like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, don't. Like, because that's a natural response. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I'm guilty of that too. But I would want more people, if you're listening to this and you have that habit too, which I think most of us do, mm-hmm. as soon as we hear, a, you know, a tragic thing happening, we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Instead of be like, oh, like, you're doing good. Mm-hmm. Like, can we change that narrative a little bit? Like, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, that's deep, deeply rooted in ego, not the 
need to change it, people's reaction. Yeah, the reaction. The um, reaction. Because yeah. I looked into it. Because when it started happening, right, it's like... Because I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Because mm-hmm. I'm at a good... Maybe back then it felt comforting when I d- wasn't aware mm-hmm. and, and didn't go through my spiritual awakening. But to me now, like when it's almost... And I don't... I understand why people say it. Because right. I still do it. But to me, it's almost like, no, don't stop. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to like keep saying, don't be sorry because I'm so thankful thankful for my sister to be on the other side because she helps me so much, mm-hmm. so much more now that she's on the other side. And I f- I'm so more connected with her in a weird way. Like there's so much beauty with her being on that other side and feeling her and talking with her and experiencing her in, in different ways than mm-hmm. I could in a physical body. Yep. Depending on how, I guess, recent it happened, maybe just like, you're going to be good. You know, maybe change the narrative a little bit. That and I would say, because what it does to the person who's hearing it is, it's like I immediately, when people say, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, it's like, oh God, am I in a context where I can actually be authentically responding to this, right? Or do I have to do the obligatory, it's fine, right? Yeah. Because then that's weird, you know. Well, and I don't want to say it's fine because it's not. It's not. Because then I'm lying. Because then you're being inauthentic to yourself. If I had a a suggestion for folks listening who, and there's been so much loss in this world the last few years. If If you know someone's had a loss, the best thing you can do, in my opinion, this isn't the gospel, is ask him, Hey, can you tell him, tell me a story about him? Oh, that's a good, oh, I love that. Yeah. Because what I found, especially like, so my brother died when I was right before I turned 13 and there were so many years I couldn't talk about it. Right. Um, Fourth of July is ruined. It's the day he died. Um, May 9th, Mother's Day, also his birthday. It's around the same time. Um, so many, so many years of my life were ruined and, by that pain. And now I find that I celebrate deaths um, and I celebrate them by like when I had the one year anniversary of my mom in January, I just texted people that knew her from different times in her life. And I said, Hey, I know this is random, no rush, but if you could put some thought around just sharing a story that I may not know about my mom. I love that. Cause I want to get to know her even more, yeah. you know? Yeah. And Oh my God, some of the stories I'd get back. First of all, she'd been pissed. They were shared. Right. <laughs> Your mom used to, we used to smoke out in the seventies. I'm like, what? My mom, my conservative ass mom, That's so apparently used to be a stoner. Didn't oh, know that. Oh, the tables have turned. Oh, I learned a lot about my mom and it, made, that. it made me realize why she was so strict. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, she already been through it all and she knew. She's like, no, you can't. Okay. When your book comes out now, what name are you going to use on your book? I know. Right. Uh, Samantha, I, <laughs> So I'll be honest, Samantha Sway Branch is, uh, if people listening, uh, it's my porn name. Um, my, my childhood. She's really a porn star, everybody. Yeah. This is why we're hiding her. Samantha Sway Branch. My dog's name growing up was Samantha and we lived uh-huh. on Sway Branch Drive. And I don't know when I learned that that's how you make a porn name. I don't recall the genesis of that, but I just remember thinking, are all porn names this good? Like, that's a pretty good porn name. Like, mm. I think I got to keep... So... Mine's Rebecca New Hope. See, that's like a real name. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I want it to be like Fireball McKenzie. You know? Like, like a name from like Stop cars. Stop controlling it, okay? <laughs> you can't control everything. <laughs> I know. I'm working on that. So, I'm, are you going to... So, I mean, I guess you don't have to decide now, but I'm curious. That is a question. 
if you're going to use your, I think you should use your real name. So there's, there's an interesting point there. And this is my thought. If part of the, if the reason I'm writing the book is for myself, right. Mm -hmm. And to be authentic and honest, right. About my journey and to take my power, letting external judgment and whatever else that could cause me to not want to do it. That is like, you know, that's defeating the purpose, right? Kind of, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's the, it's the Instagram filter, right? Like Uh I'm going to fool myself into thinking my eyes are, you know, five X the poor proportion of my head. Right. Cause that's sexy. Like (laughs) who doesn't want bug eyes? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm always God almighty. If anybody in their mid thirties is listening, please stop with, they won't. I'm okay with like lighting because I am, I love photography and I love to like, especially like travel photography. But sometimes I see, and the worst is when they have a baby in the picture with them. Oh, and then it gives them the big googly eyes. Oh my God. No, oh, yes. Not just that. And or they'll, cheeks. they'll do so much airbrushing to it, that, uh-huh. but it goes on the baby too. So they look normal and young, but the baby's like glowing, like they've got like velvet <laughs> on their face. And it's like, Chica, enough. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. chill out with that. Like put the kid down for a second. I like a good filter if I'm like looking rough and I don't want to put makeup on. Oh, absolutely. And it's like, I look like I put makeup on, absolutely. but I don't like to use them very often. No. And, and you know, it's okay to use them and it can be fun. I just also think, you know, it's addicting though. It it's, it is. And it's interesting. Then you don't like who you look like when you don't have one. And that's the sad part about it right there. And it's not loving yourself. And it's also, I think it's unfair, especially to women. You know, they have those, uh, you know, uh, candid photo side by sides, right. Where mm-hmm. it's like, this is the Kardashian campaign, right. That got released or, Oh, Kris Jenner posted this picture and posted the wrong version before it got photoshopped or someone in her click posted it without her permission. And you see what they look like. And you're like, well, I've never met them in person. I assume they look like they're holy shit. They look Especially in radio, you know, you've met, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, you've met famous people, yeah, I'm yeah. assuming. Yes. I can't, I remember when I was on radio, and I won't name the singer's name, but they came name in. Name him. It's okay. Do you, do you remember Carly Rae Jepsen? Yes, I know that name. Okay. Never met her. Hey, I just met you. Oh, gosh. This is crazy. That girl. Annoying. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I thought, you know, teen pop star, hot, small. I met her in person. And I was like, oh, she struggles with acne like me. And like she was very boring and uninteresting. And it was very difficult to create conversation. And I thought, I thought, holy shit, if people knew I've met several famous people randomly Uh in person. And I was like, if people only knew that these are like normal people that and, and I love the pictures of like. I'm not ugly. I'm just poor. And it shows like famous people before they got rich and like Mm -hmm. what they look like Mm -hmm. and like the money they spent to look like they did. It just creates this belief, you know, an expectation we put on ourselves and I do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm a complete hypocrite. I will own it, but I'm really challenging myself to be more authentic with those things. Like I posted a picture of myself, a selfie the other day because I just felt fucking good. Right. And I had no makeup on. I had my glasses on. But I just, I felt good and I posted a selfie and it wouldn't, normally if I'm doing a selfie, it's like I got my lips on, you know, like I'm feeling it. Right. And I wanted to post it because I, I was like, I, I look happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
that's a good look. That's a, that's a real smile. That's, that's what I am right now. And that's, you know what I mean? And then I look back at the pictures of, you know, the fancy dinners we went to and the trips and I'm all done up. And I'm like, I was miserable in that picture. I was fucking, what they don't know in that picture is we had just gotten in a fight in the hallway. Right. I had been crying. Like, it's so interesting to me what we portray on social media. Right. That's why I'm just like people that think they follow somebody and they, they see this lifestyle that you know nothing about them mm-hmm. unless you actually personally know them. You yep. don't. I mean, there are some people, which I will put myself in this category, that's very authentic, that I, I mean, I still don't give you the whole picture. Right, right. You got to protect some things. Absolutely. Yeah, or, or I just don't want to tell you, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm still not giving you the whole picture, but you do get to experience a lot of the truth from me. Mm-hmm. Which not a lot of people will do that. No, nope. not a lot of people will be vulnerable. They want the HGTV version. Yeah, yeah, and, and so which is not appealing to me, and I don't even really like people that do oh, that. It's if, crazy. If you're one of these people, listen, don't post those perfect pictures because we're on to you. <laughs> <laughs> post the pictures of your house is messy and your kids are fucking drawn on the walls. You never answered if you're going to use your real name or your stage name on your book. You know, are you not, are you not sure yet? I'm not sure yet. Okay. I, I, there's some things I want because I, I don't have all the content yet. Right. I'm doing a lot of stream of conscious writing and, you know, thoughts that I'm having and stories that I feel there's things to learn from. And then weaving that tale together. I think as I understand the risk and what could happen just again, I'm a working professional and the things that I am sharing in that book so far are completely honest and against, um, you know, there's references to drug use, promiscuity, mistakes that I have made (laughs) and maybe not even mistakes, right? Like we learn from them, but there are things that, um, you know, I also have to figure out if I'm going to have to change some people's names, right? (laughs) Like if I'm going to get sued because uh-huh. I doubt it. Uh, I, I You can keep my real name. Just let you know. <laughs> Don't the, change it. The exes. Uh, I have one, I have one guy. Uh, I referred to him as big Ben. And I like that. Yeah. And I'm I named sexy. and or Benjamin button because he's a guy oh, that, that took sexy right out of it. I know there's a reason I was dating online. <laughs> I was deciding I wasn't having a relationship. This is years ago. And I found this, we met, we met online and he said he was like 41. Right. I was like 30. Right. Which I know it's an age difference, but like I've always dated older. Mm -hmm. I just have. And I thought I'm not looking to get married. Let's just have a nice dinner. Right. The guy shows up. He is clearly not 40 fucking one. Dude is older. Okay. So now we're getting into creepy character. I mean, I don't want to say creepy, but like odd. No, that is creepy. Like people looking at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he, the drink comes to the table. Uh, or I'm sorry, they asked for ID and I like grabbed it jokingly. And I was like, what's your picture look like to see how old this motherfucker was? And he was 52. That son of a bitch. So I called him Benjamin Button Mm -hmm. because it's like he started. I think you need to call him Benjamin Button, not Big Ben. Because Ben Ben's can be sexy. Well, we'll go down. Okay, we're not going to we're not going to give it away. (laughs) But I'm excited for the book to come out one day Sooner than later. Um, I'm thinking realistically, depending upon how I want to publish, my goal is by the end of the year. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. You can go the self-published route. Candidly, once you get the material out there, 
actual publishing house houses don't have the skin in the game to actually push you right Mm -hmm. i have to decide like do i just want this message out there do i actually want to like monetize this and i mean i truly think at my core i am a writer who makes a living doing other things right that's i seriously see you as this writer like honestly i was getting this vision of interviewing again when you've gone down the the writer stage a little bit (laughs) further down and written like i don't know 50 other books and I'm like then we're back here and probably not here actually probably <laughs> hopefully not here um somewhere else in my nice skyline studio and interviewing and talking about like how you started with this first book so I'm excited to see this because I have the vision and I know you have the vision I so do. I do let's and do this I'm super excited and uh it's it's gonna be something that when I think about my life and I'm old and gray sitting rocking on a rocking mm-hmm. chair and that with time, their cats. Hopefully, yeah, with my cats. <laughs> if that's when that time comes, like this is something I can look back at and be really fucking proud of. Amen. You know? So, well, thank you again for coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you. I totally thought I was going to need like an agenda because I'm like such an over preparer. No, we don't do that with this show. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have when you have something to say that is authentic, I don't think you need that because it comes from the heart. You know. What yeah, I mean? that's so. why most. Pretty much all of my guests, I, I, I write a few notes down if that's if certain yeah. things I want to go over that I don't miss. But most of all, it's just we roll with it. We go with the flow. It's yeah. very um, unorganized in a yeah. sense, but it's how a normal conversation would come out. And that's what I try to strive for. It's not canned. It's no, not manufactured. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. We're not doing radio anymore. This yeah. isn't radio. Like this is a complete flow and what you what you hear is what you get yeah, you know? like you're having brunch with girlfriends yeah. and you're kind of all over the place but you get to be involved in our conversations which i think for me i i want the most raw and most authentic form absolutely <laughs>